This is Live from the Vault, the Hero Smith Podcast, a raw and unfiltered look at the world of entrepreneurship, business, and the absurdity of modern life. I'm Chad Coleman. I'm here with my trusty co-host, DeAndre Dow. How you doing, DeAndre? Feeling good, man. I'm in a great space. Awesome, man. I'm glad to hear it. Um, we are also joined today by Mark Neal, founder of Onyx Training Group, author, and uh, uh, Onyx Training Group provides uh, tactical uh, and anti-bias and diversity training to police officers. And Mark actually is a former police officer himself. Welcome, Mark. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you again. You know, I, I, you know, we DeAndre had this idea to, to to get together and do this pod today because you know the last time we had you on it was shortly after the murder of George Floyd and. Um, and you know it was one of our most popular episodes, and and really I thought it was a really great discussion of everything sort of surrounding that issue, and uh, so it's good to have you back now that we have a verdict. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so I just want to you know I, it's been such a crazy few weeks seeing this trial going, you know, and and, and watching it. I want to get both of your perspectives on like over the last couple of weeks. What has been your, what was your mindset like watching the trial and seeing how it was unfolding and now knowing that we have a guilty verdict on all counts, by the way, awesome. Um, you know, leading up to that, I'd just kind of hear both of your narratives about like, you know, watching the trial over the last, you know, few weeks and then, and then getting the, the verdict coming in yesterday. So, uh, Mark, why don't you start, man? Well, um, I didn't watch much of the trial because uh, for me, you have 10 minutes of video right. that, that explains the case. Right. Um, the defense of, of uh, the officer would be nothing but a distraction yeah. and deflection. So there'd be nothing to be like, well, here's what really happened. Mm-hmm. So for me, I really didn't want to watch the trial and watch all the evidence be presented and watch all the people get up there and present the prosecution evidence. And then it go the way so many others have gone and have an acquittal. Right. I don't know that I could have handled that. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I mean, I'm not so, sure the world could have handled that. Well, you know, but, but that's, and but that's the way it has been. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and the thing about it is with my belief in policing and the way I feel about policing, that would have, I think that might have been too much for wow. me. Yeah. So I purposely stayed away from it. Um, I looked at the articles when they would talk about uh, prosecution witnesses and things they said. And once I started to see police officers, like Minneapolis police officers, talking about how bad that was, right. I kind of realized this isn't going to go his way. Okay. Once the, the system right yeah that we're trying to make a change in is not backing that play right i'm going okay i see it's going to go the right way with this i just believed it at that point sure right? yeah because you almost never see like officers within the same department let alone leadership you know the chief of police i think it was mm-hmm. came out and and testified against the officer i i felt like that was a great you know, yeah. that, that was a sign of the, that things mm-hmm. were going well in the trial, you know, yeah. or that. And, and I was actually wanted to get your perspective on that. First, I wanted to hear DeAndre. What's been let's turn back mm-hmm. to that in a moment. DeAndre, tell me about the last few weeks for you going through this trial and then leading up to the, the, the verdict yesterday. I'm with Mark. I pretty much didn't watch the trial leading up to everything because like him, I didn't want to set myself up for right. disappointment. But as far as the verdict itself. I'm still processing everything, to tell you the absolute truth, <laughs> right. man. I um, feel like I had to splash my damn self with water, <laughs> hit the refresh button, making sure that I wasn't just seeing things. Right. And then when I see George Floyd's family react, I feel elated because they deserve every bit of that moment. Yeah. And then on the other side of that, you can't help but think about the Trayvon Martins, the Eric Garners, the Mike Browns, so on and so forth that didn't get that moment. Yeah. 
So once again, I'm still a work in progress when it comes to everything. Ask me how I feel in eight weeks. When they're about, when they're about <laughs> it's going to take you that long to process it. Hey, that's well, totally understandable. Yeah. He's about to be sentenced in yeah. eight weeks. Oh, yeah. So got ask you, me how right. I feel then. True. Yeah. yeah, it could all go awry right there. I mean, I think a lot of people who are progressive minded are feeling good about the verdict. But sentencing is where the rubber meets the road. Right, Mark? And that's the thing is, is you know, I saw these people saying, you know, it's justice, it's justice. No, this is accountability. Yes. Justice is, it doesn't happen anymore. Right. That's justice. Yeah. Okay. So when we're talking about justice, I think we need to stay focused that we're, we're not there. No. We're, we're not at justice. We're at the beginnings of understanding what accountability looks like. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, and so, you know, I'm in the same boat. I'm like, I'm just going to sit back and watch. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I'm not I'm not out there wanting to throw banners up in the street and all that stuff because you haven't shown me anything. Right. It's not time to pack your bags and go home. (laughs) Rest true. No. Justice is essentially restoration. It's far from that. Right. Well, what what verdict do you think? Not what verdict. What sentence? Well, would need to come down. I want to hear Mark's perspective on this in terms of what is the sentence that is going to prevent other officers (laughs) From murdering black people, the, the, um, <laughs> to put it frankly, the sentence, the sentence in this case, yeah, this is specific to this case, right? So, so don't don't think that because Derek Derek Chauvin can get life in prison, it's not going to change. Two months from now, nothing's going to happen. Okay, you really believe that? No, no, I don't. Be, I do believe that it's not going to change anything because what we're talking about is a culture. What we're talking about is is a systemic, endemic, deep-seated way of doing business. Right. And I'm not talking. I'm not just talking about any sort of racial bias or anything like that. That's a part of it. But it's like, like I say, I, you know, like like I say, I wrote a book about it. But it's a component of the way policing looks today. But it's not the root cause. And so we we've, we've uh, DeAndre and I have had some discussions about this. You can take. All 800,000 police officers right now off the street and get rid of them and bring in 800,000 people who are, you know, uh, diverse, um, have no bias, whatever. You can create them. Yeah. If you train them the same way <laughs> that these officers today are trained, mm-hmm. they will do the exact same thing. Wow, Bottom really? Bottom line. Be- because it's the way they prepare for the job. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, we are creating, we have a fear-based way of preparing for the job with these officers. Right. And so you have somebody th- doing these things. They aren't, the police officers aren't seeing Derek Chauvin and going, oh, I can't act like that. Okay. They're saying he did the wrong thing, right? I would it, never do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, right. But they go like that. He did the wrong thing. And then they get very general and vague, right? Right. But nobody, you know, all good police officers want bad police officers out of policing. Okay, great, we all know that. So they, they get this very um, distanced, vague, general response to this. They don't view themselves as doing bad policing. Right. Right? They could be out there um, talking down to people, being dismissive, even being rough with people, but they don't see themselves in Derek Chauvin. Right. Right? Yeah. They don't mm. see that... that that the way I think about minority communities is manifested like that. Right. 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 They sure. Just, they don't equate it. Right. And so, so. Yeah. And that's because they're not they're not trained to 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 get out of uh, to sort of overcome and maybe transcend their own biases that they may or may not Correct. have when they join you know join the force. Oh no no, and they're they're reinforced, right? Yeah. Mm. Those biases get reinforced, and then they get amplified, and then what happens is they get validated, yeah. right? So, so if, if I have a bias against a certain minority and I'm a police officer, when do I interact with them? When you're on the job? Yeah, in yeah. crisis situations. Right. So when I interact with them, what am I always seeing that, that group in? Crisis. Right. I'm always seeing that group as unable to handle their business. So, so that, that feeds into the, yeah. the their already sort of background racism yeah. or, or outright racism. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that's, it becomes the it becomes self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Mm. 
I don't think those, I've, I've been told, because I've had no experience with um, like the Muslim community, that they're all terrorists, right? Mm -hmm. And so then when do I experience them? Well, when they're talking about uh, terror alerts and they're doing this and they're talking Something's about this. Something's going on that's not good, right? crisis situations, yeah. The, the best thing that I think has happened now is how the FBI and our federal law enforcement has started to go, hey, everybody, our biggest threat is white extremists. Right. Right? Yeah. They, they're, they're going, hold on, hold on, hold on. And, and I'll tell you this. I think the, not being political about it, but I think the best thing that this prior administration did yeah. was bring in this whole thing of everybody's a problem, but we're not going to talk about uh, right-wing extremism. Yeah. And so, and then they turned around and said, our federal government, our federal law enforcement is crap. Okay. So then, so the you're saying basically he helped Trump help bring yes. him out oh, yeah. into the open. I agree with that. Absolutely. I think they were there was a, all this all these people didn't just suddenly start being militia and racist no, no. and white supremacists. No. They were there the whole time, hiding in plain sight. Donald and Trump he, gave him a voice. Yes. Yeah, and then brought him out in the open, which. You know, uh, I don't like giving them credit a lot, but I think this is kind of where you're going. It's like, hey, at least now we know who they are. <laughs> well, and that's, and that's what we talked about the last time. I said, that's what I think, how he made America great again. Is that, <laughs> that he, he, well, and then, but then what he did was he started to, to castigate federal law enforcement. Federal law enforcement said, oh, yeah? We'll show well, you. Well, <laughs> we're going to show you. Yeah. We're going to show you. Right. Your people are the ones who are causing problems. Right. right. Yeah. Absolutely. Your people. Mm -hmm. And so so that shine the light that started to shine the light on the right wing extremists. Yeah. It's like my grandpa used to say, the sun shines on a dog's ass once a day. <laughs> so he did something right, yeah, even yeah, if it was on yeah. accident and for yep. all the wrong reasons. Yep. <laughs> at least at least he brought those assholes out into the open so we all know who they are. And, right. And, and, and really see how big of a problem this is. Oh, yeah. Because Muslim terrorism is nothing no. compared to the threats from white supremacists in America you, right now. It's not even, like, on the same scale. You can look at, you can look at for the last 20 years, right? So you can go to 93. Sure, with Timothy the, with Bay, right? With the, with the bombing, you, you can do back to 93 with the, the, uh, first, the first World Trade Center ah. bombing. But sure. then from that point on, let's start. Look, let's look at everything that's happened. Timothy McVeigh, right? right? Let's compare those bombings. Mm -hmm. which, yeah. Which one was more devastating to Oklahoma to, City by far? Thank you. Yeah, hundreds uh, and hundreds uh, of people, I believe. Well, a fellow uh, Tulsa police officer who retired, he posted just the other day because of the anniversary of the um, Oklahoma City bombing, the nineteenth. He posted a thing, you know, kind of thinking back, and people were posting. I remember what I was doing that day. I remember, I remember. So you think that, how many people even know there was a, a World Trade Center bombing? Before right. the Before September the, the yeah. airplane attacks. Right. right. How many people? Not a lot of people, lot but of people. yeah, in the Clinton administration, right? 93, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, exactly. That's why, that's to me the most differentiating point of this whole conversation is the fact that it's on the world's biggest stage. Mm -hmm. Even though we had Rodney King on camera, yeah. now you got camera phones recording the whole entire right. incident. You have bystanders. Yep. You have these social media groups that can now come together mm -hmm. and essentially spawn or be the catalyst for some of these officers that ended up getting charged that weren't essentially charged initially after the crime. Right, yeah. I mean, and, and just think of the hundreds and thousands of incidences where this just... You know, if, if we if that person had not been standing there and mm -hmm. videotaping that nine minutes and 49 seconds or whatever it was, um, this would have been, uh, yeah, we had this guy, you mm -hmm. know, the report would have said, oh, we apprehended this guy for counterfeit money and um, he had a health concern and he passed away and no investigation, nothing. Thank God for for the fact that we live in a society now where people are empowered to sort of be, I mean, I, who knows? That person was just probably concerned and wanted it on tape or had, had relatives or <clears throat> friends that had been through similar things. So they whipped out their phone. Thank God we live in a world like that now. I, I get there's a lot of downsides to this sort of digital uh, universe that we live in, but there's some good stuff too. Oh, yeah, you yeah. Know? Uh, the, 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 just the, the fact that, you know, it's kind of scary if you're just an average person. They're like, hey, anytime you could be on camera, mm -hmm. you need to sort of act accordingly in a certain sense, which I do think could, you know, sort of limit people and, and be a weird kind of standard to live by. 
But when your job is a public servant who is supposed to protect and serve, um, you know, just know that everybody's watching. I mean, first thing I do when I get pulled over is start fucking recording. You know, yeah. I, I before the cop even gets there, and I'm a big dumb white dude. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, bald headed, and they, they come up. They, I'm probably you know in in terms of. Uh, People being biased against you, uh, he probably relaxes when he sees oh, yeah, my yeah. white head sitting right. there and <laughs> gray, gray and uh, uh, brown beard sitting there. And uh, and so it's a but still, even still, I start recording on my phone because I want that shit captured, you know, and I think that's I think that's, uh, you know, kind of a, a weird thing, a weird responsibility for the average person to do or to have to do. But, man, it's it's awesome that it was accountable. So you said, DeAndre, that you uh, haven't processed that 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 verdict yet, right? That that guilty on all counts, which mm-hmm. I thought was great. That's a strong message. They didn't de- they didn't come in and say, "Oh, we're just gonna get him for murder three, murder two. We're gonna you know pass, take a pass on that." No, they went all in. Like so, right. that's good. But do you think that a a a strong uh, sentence would would create change in society in any way? It's one of many cases. We still have pending cases like Mark mentioned yesterday that are still yeah. in trial. Like I can't wait to see what happens with Elijah McClain. Yeah. Uh, we right have, we yeah. have other instances where crimes were captured on video footage, whether it's Eric Garner or Alton Sterling. That was clear evidence of... Got away with it. Absolutely. Away so with it. Yeah. I don't know, man. I just know at the end of the day, there's people behind the wall uh, that are serving uh, significant sentences for lesser crimes. Uh, yeah, drug crimes. Possession. Give me, yeah, give me a break. Exactly. The prisons are full of, of drug crimes and full of marijuana crimes, too. So we'll see, man. I, I don't know. Emotionally, yeah. I feel like a lot of people around me are just drained. Mm-hmm. I, had a really? girl, I, had a, I had a girl texting this morning. She works for a government agency out there in Pennsylvania. She says she's just emotionally yeah. tapped. Wow. Yeah. yeah. She feels black. Yeah. Blah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like exactly. Just like, uh, she said. Exactly. Yeah. Which, you know, it's it's such a strange thing, but it, I guess, you know, just from the outside of, in a certain way, you know, obviously uh, I haven't been personally affected by this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Like I haven't mm-hmm. ever experienced uh, racism um, as a firsthand experience. Right. But um, but I just felt like, man, it's uh, you see all these cases and I, I lived near the Trayvon. I lived in Florida when the Trayvon Martin thing happened. Like I didn't live that far away from that area that that old, that old incident went down. Mm-hmm. And Eric Garner and Elijah McClain. And, and it's just like about damn time. That's what I thought. Like finally, some accountability to Mark's, to use Mark's word, and which I think is the right word to use in this case. Um, but you're right. It's it's the it's the just the beginning. It's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. You know. That, and that's what I don't want people to do, right? Because we, we have that, that thing as humans. We want to do that, like these milestones. Yeah. Like we solved the problem now. Okay, we can go on with like No, you no, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Stop, stop, stop. Mm-mm. Because, you know, as this is happening, while the trial is going on, Alex Toledo is shot in Chicago, right? Absolutely. 13-year-old yeah. right? kid. So, you know, yeah. Dante Wright is shot by an officer who... Meant to tase him, right? Do you even believe that story? I could ask you about that. I can absolutely believe it. Really? Okay. Again. It seems so unlikely, but. (laughs) Because we talked about this, but that's the thing is that, that, like, that's why I say you can get, you can get 800,000 Martin Luther King Juniors to become police officers. And if you train them the way the police are being trained today, they're going to do the same things. Yeah. Because we are training our police. So, so in that case, with, with Dante Wright, we want to put it on Dante Wright. How come he didn't just comply? How come he didn't make a better decision? And I talk to people now, I say, I say when did your driver's insurance go down? Right, when you were 25 so, years old. Right, yeah. A 20-year-old insurance companies know, statistically speaking, 20-year-olds make bad decisions. Yeah. So why are we... The trained professionals exactly. counting right. on Dante Wright, a 20-year-old who, who, I don't care what warrant he's wanted for, he's wanted for a warrant. He's already shown, I don't feel like taking care of business the right way. Right. Okay, even if it's a parking warrant, that's fine. But, but we need to say, Dante, we're the grown-ups. 
Right. We're going to help you make good decisions. Right. We're not going to leave it up to you to make good decisions because we you're tried show- that and it didn't work. We tried, yeah, yeah. You're showing us. Right. But that's okay. We understand that. Right. You're 20 years old, man. And so my thing is, well, he, he can't even drink alcohol, right? Right. Because he won't make good decisions. Right. So, so the police officers should be the one. So how are they trained? Well, we train our police officers to the lowest common denominator, right? So we get in there and we train and we say, okay, here's, here's taser training. We put a little target up there, maybe a person, because you usually have to get tased in yeah. order to carry a taser so you know what it feels like. And they stand there. And they're being held by two other people so that when they get tased, they don't fall down and break their head, right? Right. So that's, that's a condition that we train that in. Right. And they go, boom. Oh, look at how well it works. Oh, and my it's God. All, and it's, they, they laugh about yep. it. They film it. Yep. They show it to everybody in the department. I right. had a buddy in the Sanford Police Department, and he sent me, the, hey, look at everybody had to yeah. get tased. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it sucks because it does feel terrible to get tased, but to have two of your fellow officers holding you up and gently laying you down on the ground? Well, and that's just it, right? <laughs> Quite a different uh, story than, than out in the field. So we take, that, we take that training, right? And then we go, oh, it's gonna, that's how it's going to work in the real world. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, then now you put a kid who's scared. He's in fight or flight, right? We yeah. talked about that a little bit before. Once you're in fight or flight, you're not going to be able to reason. Right. You're not going to be able to motiv- be motivated by reason. You're now instinctual. Yeah. You're acting instinctual. And so once, and so we look at Dante Wright, the officers didn't create an environment to guide him toward a good decision, right? They, they left him standing by his car door as they're going to put handcuffs on him. When he finally realizes, oh man, I'm going to jail now. Last chance to get away, and there it is. Move him away from his car door. Dante, we want you to make good decisions. We're not going to let you think about jumping in your car and trying to drive away. You, you, you've right. got to be thinking about right. that ahead of time. If he wants to take off running down the street, good. He'll get tired. Right. And we'll just come pick you up later. <laughs> yeah. And, right. and then, you know, talk about her, her muscle memory. Yeah, what's up right? with that? Yeah, that, that the, seems – I mean, don't you guys train with your taser on one side and your gun on the that, other? Or? That's got nothing to do with anything, right? So let's think back to uh, – they made a movie about it, Fruitvale Station, right? So, so mm-hmm. Bart, the Bart Station, New Year's Eve, like 2000, 2001. They get this, they get, uh, I, I can't remember his name, but they, they get him out off the Bart train and have him handcuffed. I watched the video of it. And they have him standing there, and it's, it's chaos going along. And all of a sudden, the officer thinks he's going to tase him, which I don't know why he's going to tase him in the first place because he's in handcuffs. But he went to tase him, fired one round shot, and killed him, shot him in the back. Oh, my God. All right, so you say, well, it's on the other side. I know it is, but here's the thing. Again, I go back to training. How do we train? We train in a sterile environment, low stress, no stress. We just do this, and here we go. And now we put you in the real world. Either it's on a BART platform in Oakland. I grew up in San Francisco. I've been to Oakland BART stations at night. You don't want to get off the train. Yeah. It's chaos. There's fights going on. There's all these people. They're yelling at you. Right. And you go out, go to get your tool, muscle memory. Which do you, he's a, that was a four-year cop. This one's a 25-year cop. And wow, Dante Wright yeah. said, right. so how many times do you think she's drawn her firearm versus, versus her, her taser? Yeah. And so true. now. And how much time do you think she practiced shooting her oh, firearm versus her taser? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like you probably, I would just imagine naturally because there's yeah. a marksmanship aspect if, to shooting. If 100, you're doing that more. If you know? 100% is her firearms time, I'll pitch you like three to four percent is her taser time. Right. And so then we put give her that tool and say, okay, now go make a good decision in a crisis situation. Right. She's already behind the curve because she's not that well trained anyway. Right. Which seems obvious as far as stress training. Right. Yeah. Now she thinks, oh my God, the world's going to come to an end if this kid gets in a car and drives away right now. I've got to stop him. She pulls her, her taser, but it's her gun because she's now not operating on conscious thought. She's just going by muscle memory. What do I need? And she's got out there. You could tell because her body camera is showing the gun. Mm-hmm. So the gun is ver- visible to her, too. Right, right. So she is absolutely not thinking in that moment. Right she's now. done thinking. Right. And, and, and then she, one shot. People say, oh, she tried to murder him. She shot him one time. When that, when that gun went off, that surprised her probably more than anybody in that scene. 
did you get to see that part of the tape and 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 to, to make that judgment, mm-hmm. or are you just saying as someone who's fired their gun in the line of duty before? You no, know. no, 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 no. Based on her right. watching that watching that video, because you watch and she she fires one round. It was a surprise to her. You could see her, and like, she goes, uh, she says, you know, oh yes, I I shot him. Oh. So that tells me she didn't mean to shoot him. Right. Because if she meant to shoot him, she wouldn't have to declare. Right. Oh shit. I shot him. Yeah. Almost like wow. And then what does she do? She drops her firearm on the ground. She okay. dropped her firearm. That's that seems a, crazy. Well, that's violation of the cardinal rule of, of police firearms. You never give up control of your gun. Right. She dropped it. Meaning, like she so didn't she want must it anywhere have been near. All out of sorts. Oh, yeah. she didn't want yeah. it anywhere near. Yeah, not that like, it's a defense, but no, 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 it's no defense. It. It's right. an explanation. Right. That, that's different. And and see, when I explain stuff, people think I'm trying to defend. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm not trying to defend it. I'm I'm explaining how why that it happened. Happen, right? Yeah. If we don't if we don't understand why it happens, we can't fix it. Exactly. And that's what I love about Mark's philosophy with his training is. It's all about humanizing the badge and human-centric training. Yeah. Getting yeah. those police officers to understand everybody's point of view and everybody's role in the situation, including your immediate environment. That's what they're not doing is thinking. They're just mm-hmm. acting and yeah. reacting mm-hmm. to everything. So, I mean, it sounds like, uh, you know, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, Mark, that police training needs a wholesale change. Like, beginning to end i mean we know the perfect guy right <laughs> um, yeah. but oh, but yeah. seriously it's, it seems like and, and and it begs the question you know um do do we need to have guns on the hips of officers i mean i know that you know we're one of the few you know sort of uh you know western democracies mm-hmm. where the law enforcement officers carry around deadly weapons on their th- i mean you go to england they don't even have a firearm mm-hmm. They've got a billy stick or whatever it's called, or club or whatever. You know, I mean, put it this way. If 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 white people who are getting pulled over or having interactions with cops were getting shot at the same percentage as black and brown people were, fucking police would have stopped carrying guns 20, 30 years ago. I mean, we would have oh, yeah. given up on that yeah. idea. Oh, yeah. I mean, people would be freaking the hell out, and that would have changed, and Mitch McConnell would be screaming about getting guns out of police's hands. <laughs> you know, it, um, here, here's my thing with that. Perhaps, but that's not where we start. Right. right. I like that. You know answer. what I mean? It, perhaps that, that would be better. Right. I'm not saying they don't yeah, have yeah. a gun in the car. No, no. Yeah. Or something. You know, well, I just think if you add an element of I have to go get fuck. my gun, yeah. that's going to break your attention yeah. from the I'm scared as fuck because I don't know if that guy's got a gun what, and he's going to shoot at me. You know? and, that, and that is something to work towards. However, that's not where we start. If we try to start there with the conversation, we're not having the it. The police won't do it's it. It's not yeah. having it. Yeah. Okay, so so that's so so I put that away anyway. I'm I'm gonna put File a pin that in that, in that right? un, unrealistic, yeah. not gonna happen well, category. Yeah, be, I get you because I, you. I want something to happen. Right. So so you know people say, well, how come you're not, uh, you know, condemning all this stuff with the police? I'm like, oh, I do, but I do it in a way that doesn't shut down the conversation. Right. Because I don't want the conversation to shut down, right? right? I don't want negotiations to end. Yeah. So, so I'm going to keep trying to go. Hey, you suck, but I'm going to do it in a in a polite, loving way. Right. Okay. And and that's because I want to keep that. I want to keep their interest. I want to keep them listening. Sure. And so, so yeah, I think that we need to make a change. The society that that law enforcement works in right now has to adapt, change a, a little bit, too, in respect to firearms. Absolutely. Because there's no way police are going to go, with the amount of firearms that are on the street right yeah. now, I'm not giving up my handgun here. Sure. Right? It just won't happen. I see that, yeah. So, so that, that is for down the road. I appreciate that. But, you know, if, if we could do something like Australia, but if you only have, like, you know, several million people, you can do stuff like that, mm-hmm. 300 million people, I don't know that we're going to be able to just one day go, all right, everybody, turn your your guns in and make it happen like that. Oh, you mean like what the how they enacted gun control yeah. down there and, yeah. and literally took weapons from people? I mean, and that's yeah. fine, right? I'm not saying I'm not saying, the, I'm not saying not good or bad, or con, right? Yeah. I'm not pro or con mm-hmm. or anything. I'm saying we might have an issue doing that. Oh, oh yeah, but, but it would be a big issue if we try to do that yeah. in America. <laughs> but my my thing not is not that we shouldn't try, but no, no, yeah. we should try try to change mindset. Right. We should try to change the philosophy. Right now, we have these two camps. 
and the camp of the pro-gun is digging in deep, and the anti-gun is digging in deep. And so what are we not doing? We're not talking. Uh, yeah. We're not talking. My thing is, make them get a fucking license. Oh, yeah. You know, like, no ma- if you own a gun, I don't care if mm-hmm. grandpa gives it to you. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got 30 days to go down to the GMV, yep. <laughs> Department of Guns yeah. and Vehicles or something. I don't know. And, uh, and, and get your, take a test, get a license, you know, and do it. I mean, God, you got to have a license to drive. You know, because a car, it can yeah. be deadly. So, so <laughs> you know? my thing is this. I don't really care how many guns you have. I just care that you know how to be responsible with them. Uh-huh. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't, so, so when they're going, oh, you know, I've registered all my guns. No, no, no. A license. So kind of like a car, right? Right. If, if you have a car, but you don't have a license, you can't drive that car. Right. If you can have 150,000 cars as long as you have one license. Yeah. And, and I like that, too, because that addresses what you're talking about, that they, they have gone through a class. They have gone through the, the ownership training. They, have un, they understand this stuff. And now, w- as best as we can do, same as we do with cars, we can, we can pretty much presume they're going to be responsible with that firearm. And, and that's my biggest issue, with, with, especially with the pro-gun people, is I'm like, but I don't care how many guns you have. I just want you to be responsible with them. Yeah. I just, well, I like the. And if you've been a criminal or you've been, you know, mentally, uh, you know, in a mental, mental institution, either you can't get one or, you know, if it was years ago or something, you know, maybe you can prove you're responsible. And we'll you review it. It's, I get the, the, the big argument against that to play devil's advocate because I, I totally disagree with what I'm about to say is they're saying, well, it's a right. It's mm-hmm. in the Constitution. It is. Fair enough. Um, mm-hmm. However, um, it doesn't say that you... Well, first of all, there's a lot of debate around, amongst constitutional scholars to say, yeah, they're basically talking about the right to create a militia mm-hmm. to fight against yeah. the government itself. And that's very different than every citizen yeah. having the right to have as many guns as they want and that are... You know, I mean, yes, <clears throat> a lot of states have background checks and things like that, but we don't have universal background checks mm-hmm. yet, not really. Um, and 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 that's what I love about the idea of the license is it's like you get your background check, you you prove that you've studied these concepts, and 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 then you go and you know I don't know they, somebody could devise a better test mm-hmm. I don't know all about it but 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 you know at least you're there is that responsibility to say all right you know you've earned the right Mm -hmm. to do this um and uh you know i mean listen it's is that really too much to ask is it really too much to ask i don't think so well kind of what we thought what's happening is we created over the last 200 and some odd years this belief that the rights of the individual can trample everything right can trample everything else. Yeah. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have individual rights. That's not my point. My point is being that we have gone to the, to the ex- some, in some cases, the extreme, where it's like, I, I get that you, your right to bear arms shall not be infringed. I get that. But look at our children. Yeah. Look at what's happening right. out there, right? Yeah. It's like, can, again, School can, shootings can we be the shootings. grown-ups in the room? Yeah. Can we please be the grown-ups in the room and go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not, I'm not giving up my right. I'm just going to be more responsible with it because yeah. there's a lot of pain being inflicted on people who, who sh- it shouldn't be. They're innocent. Yeah. yeah. And so what can I do to make that better? Right. I mean, that, you know, I, I get it, man. You want to you want to sit there and talk about how how many guns you have and how cool they are and, and all that kind of stuff and what little gadgets you got on. I get that, but uh, you know it's like, but I'm not a gun person. I have guns, mm-hmm. but I'm not a gun person. There's a difference. Yeah, right? definitely. And so if if you, I just I look because I look at it and go, you know what, man, some of the stuff that we got going on in our community is wreaking havoc on people who just don't deserve it. Right. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. so what can I be doing? Well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to lower my gun uh, quotient or I'm going to lower my gun like, uh, you know, uh, you know, visibility ratio or whatever it is. 
I'm not going to talk about guns all the time. I'm not going to promote gun all the time. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to promote the other stuff, right? Right. I'm going to promote the stuff that I want to see grow. Yeah. The relationships, mm -hmm. the consideration, the community, the mm -hmm. accountability, responsibility. Mm -hmm. I'm going to promote those. Sure. I'm going to make those part of my vocabulary. And I'm just frustrated by a lot of, um, a lot of law enforcement that I see on my, on my Facebook posts and all that kind of stuff, or, or my Facebook you know, stream, that, that, you know, it's like, it's just glorify it. And I'm like, I get it, you like it, but, but right now, right now, for the good of all, which, oh my God, he's socialist, communist, whatever, right? For the good of all, can we tone that down? And can we talk about some other things, right? Yeah. And I guess that's, that's, that's where I want the conversation to start because I don't want them to switch off and go, I'm amping it up like we've done for the last four years, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, you know, you know F your feelings. I'm going to amp this up. Oh, man, come on. Yeah, well, we're not going to get anywhere if we keep this no, up. Oh, no. There's other, you know, we've talked about it on the pod, I think, DeAndre, to like, the, the, I think a lot of the reason of that is we're living in two different realities. Yes, now. yes. Everybody has their own news. Yes. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, and so facts are, you know, quickly, you know, devolving mm -hmm. <laughs> in the sense that, uh, you know, we can't even agree on them or or worse yet, some folks on both sides don't even hear the same facts just because, you know, oh, that, no. that you know, this isn't this doesn't support our narrative. And and that's the I think that's a huge cause of this. And like you said, We've got to find concrete steps. It seems like the basic ones are universal background checks. I mm -hmm. mean, the thing that kills me, though, is you have a situation where the NRA has the Republican Party by the Kahanas, and, uh, and it's bullshit. Like, I can't remember the exact number, so forgive me, podcast listeners, but the majority of Republicans support universal yeah, background it's like checks. Yeah. It's like 70%. Yeah. It's like 70%. Yeah. It's up there. It's not even like 51. It's up no. there. 60s, 70s. And so why don't we have it then? Well, because, you know, the Mitch McConnell and yep. the boys are getting their campaigns funded by the NRA, which, by the way, got a shit ton of money from Putin and the <laughs> Russian government uh, prior to the, the previous administration's election. So... I mean, God, uh, you know, it's just it's just incredible. I mean, it's, it's, it's the most blatant example of like what people hate about mm. politics. It's like everybody wants this. I mean, Democrats are like 95 percent, mm -hmm. you know, and, and Republicans are 70 whatever percent. And yet it still doesn't get done because we have a lobbyist based system where, where yeah. organizations yeah. have more control than the average citizen does. And that's kind of not what we're about. But yeah, shouldn't but that, be what we're about. Yeah, that, you know, right. And and but that's the thing is, you know, when I, I read a lot of history because I want to understand how we're how we're sitting here today in 2021, right? So to understand that in the different facets, I go back to, you know, the 1500s even. What, what were they thinking about in Europe, in the Middle Ages? What was that looking like? Then as we come forward, and as we you know as we move into so, but it's like we don't look and see. And it goes back to everything that I think, right, is that we have to understand how we got to a place yeah. to know why we're here. Right. And, you know, to know why we're sitting here in 2021. We can't just go, well, we're here. I know, I know we're here. <laughs> yeah. But, but if we don't understand how, how it gets to the point where 20% or 30% of the population can, can lord power over the 70%, right. then we're never going to be able to change it. Yeah. Yeah. And you know? to take a quote from your book is where we're at, where we would like to go, and how do we get there? But yeah. people who become so consumed with where we're at, right, and just it's fighting the emotion, about it. the protests, and everything else. But I'm like, you got to keep that same energy and put in your steps forward and executing yeah. a plan as far as where you truly want to go. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Yeah, fair. Fair point. Yeah. You know. So I, I guess you know uh, I want to be open to you guys. Like I want to know, you know what. Do you think, DeAndre, like the average, uh, you know, uh, suburban white person doesn't understand about this whole situation or the black experience in America? And, <laughs> and then I want to get Mark, I want to get your perspective on, you know, what does the average 
you know, which what is average person, but you know, just like what does what does do people not understand about um, policing that they most need to uh, understand? I don't want to get too religious or anything, but in the Bible it says, "Forgive them, for they know not what they do." Mm-hmm. You know, so at the end of the day, they don't have the experience, Chad. So who are we to blame them for their inexperience? If anything, I just encourage them to get some understanding yeah. and to learn and to study and do the research in order to become more understanding of everything. Uh, for me, a major key in all of this, man, and me and Mark, have, I've been blessed to meet this man just because I respect him on so many levels. He operates on this moral compass because at the end of the day, we're men first and there's qualities of men that we respect. And this man is all about accountability, integrity and respect, and he carries that over into his philosophy. So oftentimes we we always talk about bridging the gap between the community and law enforcement, but essentially police officers are members of the community. It's one in the same, but there's a saying that goes, two mountains will never meet, but two men will. And that's what it's actually going to take. Mm. It's a lot easier said than done, but that's going to take time. Everything is going to take time. Yeah. Uh, Well said, man. Well said. Mark, what do you think people need to understand about policing in America the most? Like the, just the average citizen, you know? They got to understand that what's happened to everybody on all, si- on all sides, right? To, to paraphrase, take a quote from a, a prior administration, on all sides. Oh, right. <laughs> um, is, that, is that we've been, um, we've been sold a bad bill of goods. Okay, we've been sold uh, hyperbole. We've been sold rhetoric as though it were substantiated, validated, evidentiary based fact. And that's just not it's it's not helping anybody anymore to sit there and talk about how this this thing of, you know, split second. Police got to make a split second decision and rapidly change the environment. Come on, man. It's boilerplate. That's that's not right. Right. You don't make a split second decision in a rapidly changing environment. What you do is you respond to your condition preparation, right? Your training. Yeah. And so when they're saying that these police officers are making these split second decisions, they're not. They're they sh- there should be training, training that yeah. that it, that tells them yeah. where they make that makes what the proper response in any yeah. almost any situation is supposed to be. Like it so it's like a, your muscle memory, right? It, you, it should be definitely a flip chart in your muscle memory. Is that you get out and you see something and you go, okay, based on this, I got about three different responses I can do. What's happening? Right? You're not, you can't sit down and freaking pull out your calculator in the middle of a a (laughs) pro, right? Sure. Mid explosion and figure out how far you need to get away from it. The explosion's already happening. Right. And so, so my thing is like I said, I heard this 20 years ago and it still, it still remains true. I use it in, in, I say it at least half a dozen times in every class I teach. You don't rise to the level of the occasion. You sink to the level of your training. And so it's how <laughs> so we prepare good, our people, right? You will not rise to the level of the occasion. Right. Yeah. It's to the level of your training. And so this is what we have to understand, This what we need the public to understand, right? And that's like part of the reason I wrote this book is for the public so that the public can get on the same page and see that, that, that the training that we've been given our police officers has ill-prepared them mm-hmm. to handle the realities. Right. It's not realistic. Yeah. And then what we do is we spend more time trying to excuse poor performance than we do debriefing it, picking it apart, looking at how we can improve our, our performance. Right. Right? Yeah. So, so you, you look and see it, and I see it, and it is that something will happen. An event will happen. And you get these people... And the people, like, I go, that was a poor example of policing. And the people who want to support it, they give the same rhetoric, the same hyperbole, the same, the same ignorant comments. And I go, and I say something like, I go, well, but did you see this? And I'll break it down, like, based on this concept, this concept, this tactic that, that we teach, blah, blah, blah. And they go, they, I've had this. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I've actually seriously posted stuff and had uh, the shooting in Houston a couple months ago yeah. where they ended up shooting at a, a carjacker and ended up shooting a, a one-year-old in the car. Yeah. And so my thing was like, hey, sometimes you can't just shoot. Yeah. I don't care. Right. I don't care if the suspect's got a gun, whatever. You can't shoot because of 
your law, policy, ethics, your training, rules, right? Rules. Mm -hmm. And so when they, when I put the post this and I said, here's some issues that I see. And, you know, people are like, I had one lady, honest to God, she said, maybe you should do a ride along with a police department, a police officer, so you can see what police actually do. <laughs> hey, click that uh, I, bio link there I, and kind yeah. of look at yeah, who I, I am and I what I've done, been doing for my whole life. I, I did. I said, I said, I gave her a little bit of my resume. I said, you know, I've been in this since 1992. I've been on a SWAT team. I said, I was an FTO. I had plenty of ride alongs, ma'am. I said, I can pass on that. I've been shot at. I've been attacked in the street. I've had all those things happen to me. I know of what I speak. Right. Okay. I'm not coming at this as somebody who played video games. Yeah. Right. 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 And but but it's just that they've been sold a bad bill of goods, and so now that's what they believe. Yeah. We need to be talking about the realities of it. You know, people say, "Oh, police officer is a dangerous occupation." It is. Do you know that on every uh, most dangerous job list, it's consistently around number 16. Really? Wow. I would have guessed like top three, top five. No, no. Do you know it's exponentially more dangerous to be a farmer than it is to be a police officer? Wow. You are, you are several times more likely to be injured or killed as a farmer than a police officer. Wow. One of the worst is hey, deep sea fishermen. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Yes. Right? Totally. Oh, that makes, wow, that's so wild. So it's like, yes, like, listen, I, I, I think I have a lot of respect for people that are willing to go into the profession mm -hmm. of policing because it's not, I mean, it's not that great of a job. I mean, in the big picture, it's not like you're making doctor money, no. lawyer money or something like that. Um, and and there is some danger. I think you're obviously you're there right. There, you're obviously you're right. It's and it and it's the kind of danger that's so sudden and 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 painful and and final a lot of times well, that it's a, a you know obviously that that makes it sort of more stand out in people's minds more. Well, it's like I say this right. A farmer is more dangerous, but your animals aren't out to kill you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The the goat's not coming to kill you. Right. right? And so, so think about this, right? <laughs> That's how it is though, right? But think about this. I did the statistics. I looked at them. And um, so, and I, and I didn't take like, I didn't go to the ACLU. I didn't go to Cop Watch. I didn't do that. I went to pro police sites. I went to the FBI, um, law enforcement memorial. I went to officer down webpage, all that stuff. So I went pro police. And you know that when it's all boiled down that a police officer is, uh, has about a one in five million chance of being killed on duty. Wow. Of being Jeez. killed on duty. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Killed is, yeah. Killed. That's car Pretty accident, everything, true. right? Oh, Some, okay. A piano, right. piano being lifted up, falling on top of your head, all that kind of stuff, being right. shot, whatever it is. A one in five million chance. You know that um, statistically speaking, a, a, just a white civilian in a police interaction has about a one in uh, 500,000 chance of being killed by a police officer. A black person has a one in 200,000 chance. Wow. So, so that's where, you know, when people say, well, white people are twice as likely to be killed by a police officer as police. Yes, you're right. However- But not per capita. Per percentage-wise. Right, yeah, not percentage Based on the population percentage. Right. The, the population of white people in the United States is about 240, 250 million. The population, percentage, the population of black people is about 42 million. Wow. So that's one-sixth. Black people are one-sixth the population of white people. So if you look at those other numbers, then what we come down to is that a black person is three times more likely to be killed by a police officer in a police interaction. Yes, that's across the board. Okay, that's across the board. Sure. That's that's whether or not they have a gun, knife, unarmed, whatever. Yeah, it's not not just just raw numbers, not but, not counting for special situations no, no, or it, weird but, situations. But we have to look at that. All. Right. So, but the thing about it, what I'm saying is that even unarmed, a black person is three times more likely to be killed by a police officer than a white person. And we see it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and we see it. Right. And so when when people want to say it's not that big a problem, I always go. For who? I was gonna say you must not be black then. But but that's, <laughs> but that's my thing. For who? It's a big problem for the family. Yeah. A Tatiana Jefferson. It was a big problem for her family. It's a big problem for her nephew, who witnessed her being shot while she's standing inside her own house. Yeah. 
not even she wasn't even involved in any sort of criminal episode, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Tamir Rice. It's a problem for his family as he gets shot out playing in the park as a twelve-year-old. It's crazy, right? Yeah. He, no, cr- no crime committed. Yeah. Nothing's going to change until we admit everyone and even the police themselves, especially that we have, especially them, that we have a problem here. Yeah. There's something wrong with the way our training and, and the way we're taught. And um, I don't know. I was going to ask you somebody. I was talking to or maybe just listening to was telling me, you know, the average police officer before they get, you know, on a force, when they go through their training, they get like two weeks of firearm training. Like it's like pretty quick and it's not, you know, it's not like extend, you know, no. you, we think of them yeah. as John Wick Jr., you know, yeah. like they're rolling yeah. around and, and all that. It's not really, right? No, I mean, it's some no. target practice, basic no. safety. Y'all got to check out my man's book, Growing Guardians and Training Sheepdogs. He talks about this in the preface, I believe, as far as police officers essentially just being overtrained professionals. They get hours of training on essentially aspects of their job that requires degrees in other occupations. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so and they're just, just getting mere yeah, hours. It's just expedited yeah. training. Yeah. 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 Here you go. Accelerated. Here's, here's your four hours of training on dealing with mental health issues. Yes. Now, now go out. No, literally, I put that in the, the book. I, that must I, be where I heard it. I was well, like, I knew it you I was talking to that said that probably. When, <laughs> I, when I worked, I would get called by psychiatrists, by doctors. Say, yeah. Can you go to this person's house and see if they need to be taken in on a mental health hold? I'm like, like, I'm you, like, I got four hours of an no, 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 zero. Oh, wow. At that, at that time, 90s, we yeah. were getting zero, Oof. right? Through, through 2012, we got nothing. It was right when I was, when I was retiring that they started to provide mental health training for police officers. And so you're telling me that a, a psychiatrist is telling me? Right. To go make that determination? It's crazy. Well, I love what we did here in Denver, right? We put together that that uh, force of, uh, you know, basically mental health professionals. Starvan. Yeah. Is that what like it was? that, I believe. Yeah, so. okay. I couldn't remember the name of it. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and then and, and for calls that were related to things like yes. that, mm-hmm. they yes. sent those people uh-huh. and zero arrests yep. out of the first, like, yeah. six or seven hundred. Seven hundred. Yeah. Yeah. You know who's done that, too? Houston. Houston, Texas, they have that program going on. Fort nice. Collins, Fort Collins, where I used to work, they started doing that. So and, and and my thing is, I'm like, here's the thing. If, and so, again, bad bill of goods. You get all these police officers going, oh, yeah, well, good luck. Uh, you know, what's that uh, mental health counselor going to do fighting the naked guy with a knife? Come on, man. Don't don't put that out there like that. That's that's not reasonable. It's, the, the, it's that, just like an yeah. extreme situation yeah. went off. So my thing is this. I'm like... How about if we were to do a joint effort, right? Yeah. How about if me as a police officer, DeAndre as a, a mental health counselor professional, we go together. Right. And we go totally. through the call together. Yeah. And so I get there and I'm just making sure, you know, Chad, you're our, you're our patient, right? You're the person. And so I'm just making sure you're not going to hurt anybody. Right. I'm not getting in your face. I don't need to be all, you need to show me your hands. You need to sit down. You need to do Come right. on, man. Right. Shut up. And But I'm just there like... Hey, everything's all cool. You're not going to hurt yourself. You got any weapons on you? No. Okay, great. Fantastic. Yeah, talk to DeAndre. And then I just turn it over to DeAndre. And now what I do is I pay attention. Right. Right. Exactly. And you learn. Take notes. You learn from them. I pay attention to how he's talking to you. Right. I pay attention to what he says. I pay attention to to the points he picks up on you. So so what, what happened was when we walked in, DeAndre is paying attention to me. How am I doing to make sure everything's safe? I'm looking around. Any weapons? Do you have any weapons? I don't see any weapons. Okay, great. We're good. Now I turn it over to him. You know what just happened? We both learned yep. how to do something more in our job. Yeah. How to be better in our job, right? Yeah. But but we want to talk about, you know, oh, he's a counselor. He does, you know, he doesn't know about safety. Well, you're right. Why don't you teach him? <laughs> right. Why, yeah. Why aren't you teaching him? Yeah. It goes, it, what it does though, it goes back to my, what I say about our young people, right? It goes back to what we're talking about suspects. How police officers go, you don't know how to deal with that. You're right, they don't. That's why you're here yeah. on this call. Right, and that's why you got the training. Yeah. So you would know how to do it. So why aren't it. you teaching them? Yeah. Why aren't you talking to this person? 
Totally. Right? Yeah. But we but I, I want this I want every well, DeAndre, if, if you're not up to my speed as a security officer type of thing, then go away. No, man. Be here because you know what? We're gonna talk to you a lot more than uh we're gonna have to fight with you. Yeah. You know? And what cracks me up is, is this, the stuff that I'm presenting, the stuff I'm talking about, is stuff that I learned from these police officers 30 years ago. Wow. Right? Don't take a man's dignity and you probably won't have to fight him. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm literally talking, I'm, I'm literally putting out information that I learned from people like Ron McCarthy, who helped start the LAPD SWAT team back in the 60s, right? About, about you have to have the same care and concern for a stranger that you would have for your family member. Right? Yep. That, that's a, a direct quote from him that's I've remembered awesome. for 20 something years. Policing would be a lot better off if everyone had that. But, but that's the thing is, I present that now and people think I don't know what I'm talking about. Or you're a radical. Yeah. Oh, you're, ra- you're a left wing <laughs> radical. And I'm like, it's like, no, this is from the 60s. Yes. I'm like, <laughs> I, got, I got this from police officers like that you would sit there and look at and go, oh, those guys are old school, crusty, right. whatever's, right? Yeah. But these were the, the guys telling me, treat People like people. Yeah. Treat people like human Simple beings. Simple stuff sometimes, right? It's and, just amazing. And, yeah, and now you're right. People look at me like I'm a radical. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, no, no, I'm just trying to he- treat humans like humans. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Yo, I could talk to Mark all day, man. I know we're running short on time, but I'm a man of service, and I'm a man of the people, as you know, Chaz. So I had sure. to um, tune in and tap in with a few people yesterday, let them know that we're about to be having this conversation. So I wanted to ask questions to my man Mark over here yeah. on their behalf. All right, awesome. Yeah. I've got a student from uh, CU Boulder who is studying law. So he actually forwarded me a few questions, starting with how can we prevent, or should we say, how do we prevent reckless cops from joining the workforce? In that, what requirements should be necessary to become a cop and what accountability measures are needed? Wow, how do we stop that? Well, that's gonna be generational because we got him in there. and. And if you look at some of the things, right, we got New York City, the, the lieutenant or whatever in charge of fair standards and hiring and all that stuff was like busted for being some kind of overt racist. Wow. Right? So yes. it's like the, the person the, the in well charge. The well is already poisoned. Yeah, yeah. The well is poisoned. We got to work that out, right? So the, that's starting out with right now, short term is accountability on all levels, right? That they have to be held accountable. And then, and then slowly get them out right immediately or if they're they're subversive and they can stay quiet that they end up realizing that this is not the place for them right so then the hiring hiring is i think we got to do a much better job in background checks it's talking to people talk and, and i know my agency when i got hired they went to people good friends of mine who I hadn't talked to in 10 years. Wow. So knew me back when. And wow. they were, what kind of person was he then? Damn. Right? Good, like good on you, Fort school, Collins, right? doing your homework. And they did, did a real good. <laughs> but, but that's hard to do. That's yeah. intensive. It's expensive. Right. Um, they'll, they would fly uh, interviewers to places. to. T- Damn. We got people from Florida. They would fly an interviewer to Florida to talk to people in his agency. Wow. Behind the back, wouldn't them. tell them. Wouldn't tell them. Good for them, though. They'd just go do it. But but see, that's what's important is is getting that broad-based picture of that person. Yeah. Not just as we're sitting across. Because, of course, in the interview, they're going to put their best face forward, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. It, it's going behind their back, talking talking to an ex-girlfriend. <laughs> right. Right? <Yeah>. Woo! Right? <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Now, that's too far. I'm well, sorry. I have to that, draw but, the line but that, no, I'm just see, kidding. <laughs> even, if the, even if the person, like, understand, if they, if they say, <laughs> oh, they suck, they're terrible, da 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 They'll you, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah, if yeah. Ex, you if weigh that off other things, right? And but that's <laughs> that's the thing is that the system has to have integrity. Yeah. Right. Right. The system by which we bring people on has to have integrity. And what has to happen is that if they're here, and they aren't cutting it, they got to they got to be able to get rid of them. Yeah. You have to be able to get rid of them easily. You can do that usually through the first year of probation on officers. Mm-hmm. But after that, it's much harder. And that, and depending on how strong the union is, it can be very difficult. Oh, yeah. It can be next to impossible, which is where we get Derek Chauvin's, right? right? Huh. That he, he had a 19-year career. He had something like 17 complaints. And still on the force. No. One a year. Yeah. It's How crazy. do you get one a year? It's crazy. And, and at that point, you, you know, after three or four years, you got to be like, hey, man, 
this obviously we made a mistake. Right. Uh, thank you very much for playing. Right. Go get another job. Yeah. But but that's the key is that the system has to have that integrity. I agree, and I think uh, I think it's totally spot on. I think once you get that in there, and you certain, uh, the only thing I would say is like it seems like to me. Um, I talked to a lot of founders about, maybe there's an analogy here, about establishing values. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to have a bunch of rules, but unless you want to play whack-a-mole for the rest of your life, yeah. every time some incident that's slightly different comes up, well, you got to make a new rule. Yep. No, yep. let's talk about the values yeah. of yeah. of what being a police officer is about. Yeah. And so that we can start attracting people that aren't, you know, assholes, mm-hmm. or I'm not saying they're all are, but no, I'm no, saying no. there's obviously like a cultural yeah. issue yeah. that's attracting the wrong people to the police department. Correct. People that have biases that are racist uh, at, at some percentage, because we see it in our, in, in reality, George Floyd was, was murdered, you know? Yeah. So, so we need to, I feel like there's, once you do those things that you talk about, I think that that's when you start to see that generational change you're talking yes. about, because yeah. It won't be part of the culture anymore. Correct. Eventually, we have, if we, we actually do something about yeah, it. Yeah, we have to weed it out. That is the perfect segue. With that being said, my man's next question. Do you think police culture alone can change the public opinion about cops? Or do you think that the legislation and institu- institutional changes need to be made to make that possible? Um, I think police culture right now is, is it, they're digging in. And that's what we talked about before is that, that even if these officers don't believe all the rhetoric, they feel like they now need to, to be a part of the culture because they're being the attacked. Wagons. Circle in the right. wagons. Yeah, yeah. circle yeah. in the wagons. Exactly. I talked about that. But I think there has to be systemic change. But my thing about it is, is you're never going to force that change upon law enforcement from the outside. Yeah. It just, it just won't work. I, I, that'd be nice if it could. I'm, I'm not saying. Right. I'm not saying don't. Can you legislate it though? You Certain can, parts of it, maybe you, just you to should. help it. Yeah. You should legislate okay. it, and that, that's my thing. Is I think you should legislate accountability right. until those values become endemic. Yeah. Okay. If we need to legislate accountability, great. But my problem is is that there's just no teeth to it, right? So if if I come along and I am just wreaking havoc on my community. There's got to be an easy way to get rid of me. Yeah. Has to be. Right. And I, I think we could do that with laws, but it's kind of like you Certain said with extent. whack-a-mole, right? Yeah. Okay, well, now we got a law for this. Oh, but it doesn't address that because right. we're a very litigious society, right? We love to, to play with the law and we love to say, oh, I interpret it this way, you interpret it that way. But, but we have to be able to... I would like some really good legislation. I want to get... I, I, I'm not a believer in qualified immunity. I, I don't like it. <laughs> that was actually one of his questions. What does he think about qualified immunity? I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it because it, it takes away accountability. So, so just for people who don't know exactly so, what, how that's defined. So, so that's great because, you know, when I, when I learned what account, uh, qualified immunity was about two years ago, 20 years as a police officer, I was an explosive breacher. I was on a SWAT team. I blew stuff up for a living, <laughs> right? Little, small explosion. I, was, I worked in a jail. I worked in a booking area in a jail. I was a booking officer. I, got, I let people out of jail. I had high liability positions my entire police career. I never knew what qualified immunity meant. I thought it meant that if I was doing my job right, my agency would back me. Right. But qualified immunity means whatever you do, you're really not responsible for it Yeah. if you're working. You're, right. You, yeah, you could just be like a lone gunman, yeah. you know, yeah. renegade, and and geez, you yeah. can do all kinds, wreak all kinds of havoc, and and it's covered because you're working as a police officer. So so I don't like qualified immunity. Yeah. And 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 I'm like I never knew what it really meant. Yeah. Because I thought if I did my job wrong, if I shot the wrong person, if I did things poorly, I I would be gone. Right. As well, I should be. Yeah. Right. So does Florida stand your ground law fall in that category? Yeah, I remember when they implemented that. With I was living Zimmerman? there at the time. Yeah. Well, that yeah, was that's a whole other no, no, that's a yeah. ne- that's a whole other thing, right? Yeah. The, the stand your ground law. Yeah. That that's that's kind of it is it's kind of civilian qualified immunity, yeah. right? Kind of, 
But, but the stand your ground law, that's another one where I'm like, yeah, but where and when and in right. what context? Right. Right? Yes. You, you follow a kid for a half mile or whatever and, and badger him and harass yeah. him. It's ridiculous. And then when he turns around and, and wants to kind of knock your block off, suddenly you can shoot him and then, they, oh, let's stand your ground. Yeah, what? It's ridiculous. Right. Yeah. And that's why I like how Mark breaks it down because even in that specific situation with Trayvon Martin, he was unarmed. Died with his clothes, which included a black hooded top, a picture of his cousin that was pinned to his yeah. top that was dead, his cell phone, a cigarette lighter, earphones, a watermelon iced tea, forty dollars in cash, and a bag of Skittles. So when do you feel threatened for your life? Yeah. No, no. My point is this: How can you be threatened if you follow the person? Right. Exactly. Just let him walk away. That's all yeah. he was doing. If you feel threatened, just stand there. Yeah. And so, so that's my thing with that is that. When we want to say, oh, and, and, and here's my issue with things, is that, that real quick, is that we take too much time to look at just the instant, right? Just that moment. Yeah. Right? The moment. And we maybe, dissect that. Yeah. Maybe Trayvon Martin punched George Zimmerman. Oh, my God. And now Zimmerman shoots him. Oh, but he punched him. But how did they get there? Right. <laughs> how did they get there? Right. To that point. And that's what I don't think we do. We don't look at the totality of the situations, Right. Right. We, we, don't, we don't break them down from the beginning. We just go, well, in that moment, in that moment, in that moment. But how did that moment come about? That's why I love everything you're doing, man, and appreciate you uh, being here once again today. Never enough time in the day. I know, right? There never is enough time. Thank you so much. Tell us to people where they can get your book. Amazon. You get my book. It's on Kindle and it's on paperback. It's Growing Guardians, Training Sheepdogs. Awesome. We'll check it out. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, DeAndre. Thank you, Mark. We'll see you next time on Live from the Vault.